Hello, and my name is Father Gary Coulter. I'm the director at Our Lady of Council Retreat House in Waverly, Nebraska. I will just invite you to join me. We'll say a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just come this evening to place ourselves in your presence. We come asking you to show us your love. Help us to experience your mercy. Give us that gift of knowing your son, Jesus. We ask you to be with our speakers, our musicians, with the technology working, and just to bless every one of our participants tonight and tomorrow so that they experience that presence. That you come to us, you are with us, you are that loving, merciful God that we so desire and so long for. We long for you. And so, Lord, we ask you to strengthen us. Help us on our journey through this retreat. May we come to know and experience how you are with us. You do not leave us alone. And so we pray in those words that Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. At this time, we want to introduce you, Lily and Mark, who will provide us with some music as we get started. Hello. Hi, guys. We're Lily and Mark. Yeah. Um, and we're just going to lead you guys in a time of worship as we enter in. So uh, just join us. Yeah. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're lying, but I the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell that you're pleasing that I'm never alone. You're good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I've seen many. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I. We're all searching for answers, only you provide us what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. 
are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Let's sing that again because he is perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. One more time. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Good evening, everyone. Anyone whose face I can see, can you give me a thumbs up? Make sure you can hear me. All right, thank you. Mark and Lily, thank you. You can hear me. <laughs> well, welcome to Zoom reality, right? Our, our new normal. I don't know how many Zoom events you guys have been on, but I've been on a few of them. But I think this one's the biggest. Uh, Father Gary said there should be about 150 of us on here. I can't see everybody, but I see a lot of snowmans. So if your video's off, uh, then I'm going to see a snowman. If you want to be seen, go ahead and put on start your video. Helps me if I see your pretty face or handsome face, but don't feel like you have to. Uh, if you want to hide, that's fine too. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to start off with a more serious uh, question for you. So you ready for this? You guys don't know me well enough to know if I'm being serious or not. But here's my serious question for you. So how many of you, if you're dressed up, see, I got a collar on. If you're dressed up, how many of you are just dressed up from the waist up, but maybe just have shorts on or sweatpants from the waist down? Give me a thumbs up. If you're dressed up from the top up, but more casual from the bottom down. That's me. I'm giving you a thumbs up. <laughs> But uh, that's the beauty of Zoom, right? We get to uh, we get to be leisure in our home. And uh, if you got to get up and take a break, you can get up and take a break. You can throw in the snowman, turn off the video, and uh, take a break. Now I won't do that because uh, that wouldn't be too cool. Because then we'd be sitting here in silence. But in case you didn't know my name, my name is Bart. Uh, Bart shoots. I. Uh, do things on my own and I also do things with JP2 Healing Center and uh, it's it's kind of I see some of your faces but it, I wish we were all together because I love to to read the, the room and read where everyone is and connect with everyone's heart but we're going to do that via Zoom. I want to share a couple thoughts as we get started. Um, I want to share a couple things from the catechism. Just love to start events that way and I just think it does a good job of creating that atmosphere and then i want to share a quote from saint bonaventure and then i want to share 
a little fun analogy just to help us with perspective, and then we'll jump in. Uh, tonight, I'm going to share with you uh, my testimony, and then we're going to have time uh, to move into some ministry time, and I'm just trusting that God's going to meet you right where you are, in your home or office or wherever it is you're, you're Zooming. Uh, and I hope Mark and Lily will be able to come on with me too and, and add some music uh, to that ministry time. But that's basically what we're going to do tonight. And then tomorrow we'll jump we'll jump into more of the material on uh, abiding in God, in Christ's love. So I'll start with this Catechism twenty six seventy says this. This is what our church says: the church invites us to call upon the Holy Spirit every day, especially at the beginning, in the end of every important action. I'd say a meeting's the beginning of a meeting is an important action. I'd say waking up in the morning is an important action. I'd say going to bed at night is an important action. So basically what the church is telling us is call upon the Holy Spirit all day, every day. 2671 says this, and I love this because it combines traditional with perhaps charismatic, if you will, says this, 2671. The simplest and most direct prayer is also traditional. Come Holy Spirit. And every liturgical tradition has developed in its antiphons and hymns. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. So if you will, right where you are, if you'll just place your hand upon your heart and we're going to pray together say with me come Holy Spirit fill the heart of your faith and kindle in me the fire of your love. Let's pray that one more time over ourselves. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the of your faithful one. And enkindle in me. The fire of your love. Let's pray for the atmosphere that we're all in. And say with me. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and this atmosphere and enkindle within us and within this space the fire of your love. And how about we intercede on behalf of the church? Say with me, come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us all The fire of your love. Amen. St. Bonaventure says this. says, the Holy Spirit comes where he is loved. The Holy Spirit comes where he is invited. And the Holy Spirit comes where he is expected. Will you join me right where you are? For the sake of this meeting, let's join in 
with the words of St. Bonaventure. And let's just let the Holy Spirit know that we love him, that we invite him, and we expect him. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We ask you to come and lead us. You go beyond space and time. You can move right through this Zoom into each and every one of our homes and in each and every one of our lives. We invite you and we expect you. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within them the fire of your love. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life, for your death, for your mission, for your resurrection, for your ascension. Thank you that you sent your spirit to be with us, to teach us all things. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Be present with us. Mary, we thank you for your fiat, your surrender, for your intimacy with the Holy Spirit and birthing Christ and raising Christ. Lord, may we have the same grace to give our fiat. Be it unto us, Lord, according to your will. And we thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding each and every one of us in our homes. The saints who've gone before us, we ask for your intercession. And that we ask you to send your angels, warring angels, Michael the archangel, to defend us all in battle. And send your ministering angels to minister to each and every one of us right where we are. Come, Holy Spirit, guide us. I surrender myself to you. Meet us all where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can still hear me, give me a thumbs up. Can you hear me? No? You can hear me. All right. Brother Gary can hear me. <laughs> All right. Let me ask one more time, because I think maybe we're having some problems picking up the sound. Can you hear me? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. There's a thumbs up. There's a thumbs up. Okay. I'm going to assume you can hear me. So I want to tell a story that anyone who's been to any of my events has probably heard this story. So you're going to have some answers ahead of time. But I like it. I like it especially because of the season we're in right now. It gives us perspective. So imagine yourself as a little kid in the back of a crowded elevator. What do you see? You're a little kid. You're in the back of a crowded elevator. What do you see? The answer is the answer is as a little kid in the back of a crowded elevator, all you see is elbows and butts. That's not a good spot to be in, is it? 
sandwiched in the back of a crowded elevator behind elbows and butts. And isn't that what some of the circumstances are looking like right now? Doesn't it feel a little bit like elbows and butts? But imagine your father is in that elevator with you. And he's taller than everybody else. You lift and you say, Father, please pick me up. And your father picks you up. Now what do you see? You see over top of people's heads. Now the elevator door is on the edge of a cliff. It's a beautiful day. You're in your father's arms and the elevator door opens up. Now what do you see? You see as far as the eye can see. Perspective just went from being sandwiched in behind elbows and butts to seeing as far as the eye can see. Our circumstances right now can be discouraging. Sandwiched in behind the elbows and butts of our circumstances. But the Father wants to invite us to see from his perspective. And I just want to invite you in prayer right now just to imagine the Father is and he is showing you what he sees. Ask the Father how he sees your circumstances. Ask him to give you perspective so you can see what he sees. All right. I want to share with you my, my story as we get started, my testimony, for two reasons. One, just so you can get to know me a little bit, know my story of how, you know, who's this guy talking to me? <laughs> and two, um, to give room for the Spirit of God to touch each and one of your hearts and what may relate to your story. See where there might be some overlap or just see where, how the spirit of God might meet you. And then we'll take this time and then we'll move into some ministry time. So probably a lot like some of you, I grew up in a perfect family. Anybody else? Anybody else deceived like I am? <laughs> um, I was the second youngest, born in Pennsylvania, and uh, good middle-class family. Dad worked IBM. Mom and dad had seven kids by the time they were 30. Solid Catholic family. They even did ministry in the Catholic church. Um, 
It's kind of your typical traditional Catholic family. Most of my siblings went to Catholic schools. We went to mass faithfully. And just good, solid Catholic family. Then when I was about five years old, um, I remember watching my father walk out the door, never to return. I didn't know why. I learned later. Pieces were put together. That when my mom was pregnant with my sister, Margaret, who's two years younger than me, so I'm two, my mom answered the phone and my dad answered another phone in the house and a woman was on the phone with my dad. And that's when my mom found out that my dad was having an affair. We tried to make things work. But when I was five, he moved from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. Working at IBM over in Philadelphia. The family hadn't heard from him. So my brother David, 13, goes and hitchhikes to Philadelphia, knocks on the door, and a woman answers the door with a baby in her arms. And that's when my family learned that my father had started another family. And it was when I was six, the family moved from Pittsburgh to Miami, Florida. And that's where I grew up. And so the life I grew up in was very different than the life my older siblings grew up in. A lot of chaos, survival. Uh, we needed government funding just to eat. My mom put herself through school. She only had her high school education. She ended up getting her doctorate degree. Everyone in the family pitched in to make things work. And it was mainly just a life of survivor, survival. My oldest brother lived in and out of prisons, Dave. He was a heroin addict. And we all just found ourselves in and out of various messes. But as a little kid, I used to go into my mom's room at night and I'd watch her crying herself to sleep. And it would break my heart. I was a mama's boy, but I knew why. I knew it was because my father had broke, broken her heart. And I'd go to my friend's house and I'd watch them playing catch with their dad. And that was a foreign concept to me. I never had a dad to play catch with me. And I would go home and I'd throw a ball against the wall and I would dream of being somebody one day. Because the reality is I didn't feel like I was anybody. I felt abandoned unloved and angry and I would dream fueled by hatred and anger of becoming somebody and so by the time I was in high school that anger was deeply embedded and my dream was to be a professional athlete so I went to college, played football at a major university. In my first year of college, I met a girl, a good Catholic girl, because of course I was told, find a good Catholic girl. So I hit a home run. Met this girl named Mary, who came from a family of 13 kids. 
and was Catholic. Don't get much better than that. I was in love next year. She's not returning any phone calls. She doesn't come back to school. And I learned that she had cheated on me. I was crushed. I couldn't eat. I didn't know it at the time, but it was hitting and hitting at a deep rejection and abandonment wound from my father leaving. I got over that, found another girlfriend. We dated for about three, four months. And then in the end, she said, I've never loved somebody and hated somebody so much in my life. I was like, well, thank you, I think. <laughs> I dated a couple others. We lasted three, four months, ended the same way. I finally got to the point of saying, love doesn't exist. I didn't know a father. My mother did the best she could. She was busy going to school and working. My siblings were surviving. I knew we all loved each other, but I didn't really think love existed. And so I just gave up on love. And there's an old song some of you are familiar with, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. Well, I think they wrote that song for me. That became my college journey. And I was just lost. Walked away from the church, walked away from God, played college football, dreamed of being a professional athlete, lived for someday I'll, someday I'll be happy. When I'm rich, when I'm famous, when I make millions of dollars, I'll finally be happy. And right now, I'll just endure. I'll just work hard, and I'll, and I'll just work to become somebody. And I was fine. I would play in front of the crowds, and I would go out with my friends and live this life that I thought was the life of what a man's supposed to be. But when I was alone in bed at night, I couldn't sleep. And I was just constantly bombarded with shame, with self-hatred, with anger. And there would be t days and nights that I just wished my life had ended. Because I felt like I had everything a person would want, and it's not enough. And every now and again, I would cry out to God in that place, in that loneliness. But that would last me just a week or so, and then I'd go right back. Like the proverb, a fool returns to its folly, its folly like the dog returns to its vomit. And I would just return to the folly because I didn't believe there was anything else. See, growing up, in the Catholic church I went to, in the Catholic middle school I went to, I was constantly searching, but I wasn't finding the answers. I remember we had a Monsignor, we used to call Monsignor Grumpy. And we had a priest we used to call Father Joe Cool. <laughs> and uh, I found out Father Joe Cool was a little too cool. Uh, he was getting high with my friends, and I don't know what else he might have been doing. But my point is, when I was searching, I wasn't finding the answers. And so I just gave up on God, I gave up on the church, I gave up on religion, and I just served myself. So my senior year 
of college, everything caught up to me. And I met this one particular girl. And as I got to know her, she looked at me and she said, I hate you. That was unusual. I'm like, what do you mean? Why, why do you hate me? What did I do to you? We just met. She says, not only do I hate you, whole sorority hates you. I'm like, well, your sorority, they hate me. Do, do your sorority, they know me? I'm like, oh, this was just very eye-opening. And then she tells me something that rocked my world. She said, I hate you, my sorority hates you, and this is why. And then she names three girls. And she says, because of you, each of these girls tried to kill themselves. And I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I just was paralyzed. And then she hits me with another thing. She says, and besides that, I'm a virgin. I said, what? I sat with this girl for 45 minutes and I said, can you explain to me how a beautiful woman who is in college <laughs> has chosen to be a virgin? I hadn't met one. No one told me that. I didn't think it existed. So she's telling me this. I'm brought back to two memories of when I was younger. One, when I was a kid. I made a vow, and I said, I never want to be like my father. I will never hurt a woman the way my father hurt my mother. I will never hurt people the way my father hurt my siblings and hurt me. Now, here I am, my senior year, and I'm being confronted with this reality. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm worse than my father. I hated my father. I hated me. And then as she's telling me she's a virgin, I remembered when I was 18 years old in high school. I remember telling my friends, I want to be married as a virgin. And of course they supported me and thought that was a great idea. No. <laughs> they laughed at me. And they made fun of me. And they called me all kinds of names. And because I was so insecure, Within a couple months, I'd lost my virginity and then went into college. And now here it is, my senior year. And this girl is telling me she made a choice. And she was a virgin. And it gave me hope. So I just said to her, I said, tell me how, how this happens. How can you do this? She didn't tell me she was a Christian. She didn't tell me anything like that. But it brought me hope. So here it is, my and my world is falling apart. I also was injured. I had missed four games. My dream was falling apart. And it was my wake-up call. And in this time, I just called out to God. And I said, God, I need help. I don't know how to change. But I need to change. I need your help. Well, now it's four or five months later. My dream of playing professional football is before me. I am in the locker room. 
of an NFL football team in between practices. And I'm on the toilet. <laughs> this is where my life starts to change. In the locker room of an NFL football team, in between practices. And while I'm there on the toilet, I'm patting myself on the back and I'm like, wow, this is what I've always wanted since I was eight or nine years old. And now here I am. I've got a chance in my childhood dream. And then the reality hits me. And I said to myself, sitting right there on that toilet, <laughs> I said, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. This is what I thought would always make I hate myself. I don't even want to live. If this isn't enough for me, nothing is. So sitting right there on that toilet in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers locker room, I cried out to God. And I said, God, I don't even know if you're real. I mean, I know. I grew up. I heard about you. I know. I saw Jesus. I saw that you had died for me. I saw you on the cross. But I, I don't know if it's real. I need to know if it's real. So if you're real, please show yourself real to me. So now it's a week later. I get released from the, the team. My NFL dream comes to an end. I go back to Tallahassee, Florida, where I was living. And my brother Bob invites me to go play golf with him. And while I'm playing golf with my brother, Bob, we're terrible. So we had lots of time to talk. And we'd take little strolls into the woods to find our golf balls. And on these, on these walks, Bob was telling me about this men's weekend that he went to. And he was telling me some of the stories of these men and, and how their lives had changed. And... Bob was always the guy that would tell me about religion. I'd be like, yeah, thanks, Bob. That's your thing. But I'm listening now because of my prayer. And so as I'm listening to Bob, my heart's getting moved, and I'm finding hope. So Bob says to me, Bart, there's another weekend coming up. Would you like to join us? I said, yeah. He said, really? You'd like to join His request. I said, yeah, I would. So I went in with him. Now, I jokingly say, if Bob would have said to me, uh, Bart, you're going to be on this weekend with 50 men who are going to hug each other and say, I love you, I, I would have never gone. But he didn't tell me that. So I went. And while I'm there on this weekend with him, I'm listening to these men share their stories. Two particular men really stood out to me. One was a politician. And he was up there, it was like my dad was up there repenting to me. He was up there talking about how he had been unfaithful to his wife and he destroyed his family. And then Christ. And I was crying, picturing my father asking me to forgive him for being unfaithful to my mother. And then a man that got up there, he said, I was trying to be businessman of the year for this organization. He said, for 10 years, I sacrificed my marriage my family to become businessman of the year. So I was invited to New York, thousands of other people. 
and they called out the winner of the businessman of the year and they called out my name. So as I walked up there onto the stage, they handed me a plaque, the people applauded, I gave a quick speech and I walked off the stage. And as I walked off the stage, I just heard this voice in my head. It said, look in your hands. So I did. I put my name on it. And he said, for this stinking piece of wood, I've sacrificed my marriage and my children. And he said he began to cry. And people thought he was crying because he was happy and proud of himself. But he was crying because broken, realizing the shallowness of his life. He says everywhere he went after that, to the store, walking the street, you'd just start, and you'd feel God's presence and God's love. And he said he encountered the Father and for the first time knew what love was. Well, this deeply touched me. And then it's Sunday, the next day. And if you've been to any of these kind of weekends, you know, they, they usually have some skits and some letters from loved ones and that kind of thing. And so guys are sitting around reading their letters and doing their little skits and whatever they're doing. And uh, I was a late entry, so I didn't have a lot of letters and things. But the one letter I received that I recall to this day was from my brother, Bob, who's eight years older than me. And the one who invited me on the weekend, who was there with me, sitting on the other side of the room. And I'm reading this letter from Bob, and Bob simply said, Bart, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And I read this thing, and I'm like, what is he talking about? I don't love me. I mean, in fact, I hate me. And I'm certainly not proud of me. I just failed at the only thing I'm good at. What does he mean he loves me and he's proud of me? But I thought, well, I should tell him that. Stands up on the other side of the room, meet in the middle of the room. And I just kind of stick my arm out and I said, Hey, Bob, thanks very much. You know, I appreciate that. That was a very nice letter. And the guy behind us says, You two brothers need to hug. And as he pushed my brother Bob and I together, the walls of my heart crumbled and I wept like a baby. I don't recall crying like that, maybe ever. I don't know that I cried when my dad left when I was five years old. I was just a hardened football player. And here I was in my brother Bob's embrace, like a baby. And as I'm crying in Bob's arms, Bob whispers into my ear, and he says, Bart, it's my birthday. I had always forgotten my siblings' birthdays. <laughs> so I'm feeling guilty now. Oh, man. So I go from crying to my brother telling me it's his birthday, and I'm like, oh, man, Bob, I'm so sorry. Uh, that I didn't remember your birthday. He goes, no, no, Bart, it's not my real birthday. It's my spiritual birthday. I'm like, okay, great. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm glad I didn't miss your birthday. And then as I'm in Bob's arms, we're laughing and we're crying. And I feel this presence fill up the room. The Holy Spirit. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit felt like before that, but I certainly knew what it was when he showed up. Every man in the room was weeping. And then I heard God speak to me. Still small voice, but I knew it was him. He spoke to me and he said, Bart, I am your father. I'm a father to the fatherless and I love you. And I just fell apart. Absolutely fell apart. 
And I realized that for 24 years of my life, I had been looking for my father's love. And here it was in a moment. God the Father himself encountered me with his love. It was like in a moment, my life radically changed. In a moment, I realized what I'd been looking for, for love in all the wrong places. And love himself just met me in my brother's embrace. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I knew at that moment that this is what I've always wanted. So growing up, my mom would always say, God is your father. I'd be like, okay, that's nice. I don't know what that means. And here I was, 24 years old. And God the Father, who is love himself, reached down into my heart, broke off the walls and the barriers, and met me at the core of my desire and my need and showed me the Father's love in a way I never knew existed. So I went to confession after this. And uh, it wasn't, <laughs> I was there for a little while. And at the end of confession, I told Father Mike um, what had happened about this encounter. And here's Father Mike. He led me in a prayer to surrender my life to Christ. And I said to Father Mike, I said, today, the Father encountered me with his love. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, and I want to serve him for the rest of my life. That was 30 years ago, 32 years ago. It's why I do what I do. My greatest passion is to share the Father's love and to lead people in an encounter with the Father's love. So I'm trusting that God can do this even through Zoom. And even though I can't really see what you're experiencing, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is who you are. And I just want to invite you just to close your eyes. And I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, come. Meet every single one of us right where we are. Father, I pray that you would encounter each one of us with the Father's love. That you would show us the Father's love deeper than we've ever known it before. And Lord, that you would touch the heart of every person in whatever unique way you desire to do that. And for those who've had stories like mine and they were abandoned by their father or abandoned by their mother, I know, Father, I know you could give us what we never had. I ask that you would supernaturally and naturally just encounter them right now with the Father's love. Come, Holy Spirit, meet your people where they are. Come, Holy Spirit.
hands. Mark and Lily, just play background. Just allow the Spirit of God just to minister to you right where you are. And I'll flow with them back and forth, and I'll lead us into a couple different prayer experiences. Just right where you are, just allow the Spirit of God to touch you and minister to you. Father, show them your love. my 
single person right where they are and that you would touch those places in their hearts where they may have experienced abandonment rejection Father I know you are in the business of redeeming and restoring all that's been lost and stolen. And I pray even now, Lord, right where they all are, right in their homes, that you would reach down into their heart, into the deep places of their being, and that you'd redeem and restore those places that have been lost. You administer to the deep places of their hearts, those places that have been broken. Show them the Father's love. meditation I want you to imagine that you're in the days of Jesus maybe you're Mary Magdalene maybe you're Peter and Andrew maybe you're Mary and Martha Whoever you feel to place yourself in, just, just place yourself in the times of Jesus. And I want you to picture meeting Jesus for the first time. And there's just something about him that touches the depth of your heart. looks you deep in the eye and he sees your soul and he just he calls you forward he says come on follow me follow me I came to bring you a water where you will never thirst again I came to make you a fisher of men. I came to be your friend. 
came to be with you. Come. Follow me. Maybe you're like Peter and Andrew and you're sitting there mending your nets. Or maybe you're the woman at the well and he's just read your soul. And he knows that you've had, quote, five husbands. Or maybe you're Mary Magdalene when he meets you and he knows, he knows your life. He knows your pain. He knows your choices. And I want you just to allow the Lord to show you what things you're holding on to, whether it's a net, whether it's a sin, whether it's self-condemnation, whether it's rejection or abandonment. I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to show you what you're holding on to. Holy Spirit, I pray that. I pray that you would show each and every one of us what we're holding on to that you're asking us to let go of. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, show us. What are we holding on to that's, that's keeping us from all that you have for us? Jesus is saying to you, lay it down. Lay it down and come follow me. I'm going to ask Mark and Lily just to, just to sing over us and just, just, just have this time with you and the Lord. Maybe it's like Martha and it's just the busyness. Maybe it's whatever it is. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you and just wrestle through that with the Lord. He's asking you to lay that down, to come follow him into his abundant life. So Mark, Lily, if you don't mind, just sing over us. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us however he wants. Holy 
There is no one like you. There is none we saw you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those I've got you here. I've got you here. You can rest Cause I've got
and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be you into another quick meditation the catechism says that contemplative prayer or meditation is simply gazing upon the beauty of Jesus I want you just to picture Jesus however however that works for you and not everyone's picture oriented so just enjoy his peace if you're not able to picture but Maybe you could just picture him on the cross or imagine a picture on your wall or even look at a picture of your wall or just in your holy imagination, just gaze upon him. And I want to pray and ask him to reveal himself to you in whatever way he desires to. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would just open the eyes of our hearts that we can gaze upon your beauty. I ask you to reveal yourself to us in whatever way you desire to do that. So if you'll just sit there in the quiet and just gaze upon his beauty. If you're able to see him and he's far away, move closer to him.
gaze upon his beauty and allow him to gaze upon you. For some of you, he might be speaking something to you. Just allow him to speak over you. His love. Which time of you he may desire to put his arm around you and just walk with you. Follow wherever this simple meditation takes you. Just receive his love and his goodness and his affirmation. Lord, reveal what you desire to reveal. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. 
meditation, if you will. I want you to picture being in that crowded elevator as a little kid. And all you see is elbows and butts and you're pressed up into the back of that elevator. I want you to think of the circumstances that you're surrounded by. Whatever it is that's going on, going on around you that just seems overwhelming and oppressive. Whatever feels like it's just closing in on you. I want you to picture that. Maybe it's the circumstances that are are going on in society right now. And your fear, you're pressed in against that. Whatever it is, I want you to picture yourself as if you're in that crowded elevator. Sandwiched in between, behind elbows and butts. And I want you to look over and see the father who's taller than everybody else. And I want you just to lift up your arms to the father and ask him to pick you up. To pick you up above your circumstances. Imagine you're in that elevator on the edge of the cliff and it's a beautiful day and the elevator door opens up and your father's holding you and he says, look, look out, see what I see. What does he show you? Father, I ask you to open the eyes of the heart and help them to see what you see related to their circumstances. I ask you to give them a brand new perspective that they can see what you see. Let us let you sit in that a moment and last Mark and Lily just to sing over us and just allow the Father to reveal to you what he Jesus says, I only do that which I see my Father do. Father, show you what he wants to show you. All right, Mark, another. Wanna see what you see?
spot here this might be new for some of you but mark and lily i'm going to ask you to ask the father for a song to sing over his people mm -hmm. song of love whatever the father puts on your hearts but just sing it as if the father is singing it over them mm -hmm. everyone else just allow yourself just to receive the words of the father I still choose you. 
I would leave the 99 
that important to me? Yes, your heart is enough. Just receive my love. Just receive my love. Yes, your heart is enough. Yes, your heart is enough. Just receive my love. Just receive my love. Yes, your heart is enough. Yes, your heart is Father Gary to just pray over everybody, sealing blessing, and then he'll announce a couple of things that I'll come in the end and just add a couple of things and then let you all go for the evening. So, Father Gary. Heavenly Father, we come and place ourselves in your presence once more, knowing how you are so always present, but now. We don't want to leave that presence, even when we are busy, away, at work, even asleep. You are there. You are with us. And so, Father, we come and place our dreams in your hands. We come and put ourselves before you. We entrust all to you. Lord Jesus, we come asking to know your love, that love you, the Father you revealed to us, that love you showed us on the cross. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Give us your many gifts. Fill us with your fruits, your blessings, your fire of love. May we 
Now receive. You don't have to do anything else. Help us to receive. Help us to be aware. Help us to know you. And Lord, may we respond to your love with love. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.